0: Well, good morning. We are uh, just learning this morning that the California State University system has suspended in-person classes, or at least most in-person classes, for the fall. They will hold classes, continue holding classes online. Um, The questions being raised immediately, uh, this will not surprise anyone, are in relationship to college football. That That seems to be the the group of people most concerned that classes uh, may not resume in the fall. So uh, here's what we know. Because the California State University system is so large um, and because you're talking about, I mean, genuinely mass gatherings of people when you're talking about some of these college campuses in California, uh, they are going to continue holding classes online, continuing to restrict in-person or traditional classes as they've described it. However, there are some uh, some lab courses and some nursing courses which can't be held virtually, um, and those classes or courses will, will resume, however, uh, with social distancing and a limited number of students. So um, as goes California, so often goes the nation, so this is definitely a story we are going to follow and watch. Axios is actually reporting this morning That nearly two thirds of college students say they would attend in-person classes if their college were to reopen in the fall, even if there's no coronavirus vaccine or cure. That is um, according to something called the College Reaction Poll, which my guess is is new after the advent of the coronavirus. Um, So I think this is another sign that Americans' tolerance for social distancing is not uh, likely to last forever. You are seeing you're certainly seeing evidence of that across the country. And so uh, even as we expect the the CDC's social distancing guidelines um, to, or the reopen guidelines to be uh, made more and more public, they're actually already available online. Um, the White House has not formally or officially released them, but they are available. Um, you know, the CDC is encouraging ongoing social distancing, probably at levels that the U.S. population is not likely to, well, certainly not fully comply. I don't know about where you live. People are not in great compliance uh, where I live. So we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to talk about um, the changes that people are experiencing at work. We're going to talk about Senate hearings um, on COVID-19 and the fact that the Supreme Court is virtually back in action and taking uh, hearing, hearing cases that are related to religious liberty. We want to talk with Hunter Baker about that in the second half of this hour. But leading off this morning, I get to talk with Colin Smith from Unlocking the Bible. We are in a partnership with Unlocking the Bible to get everybody to open the Bible this summer, summer in the scriptures. So Colin Smith up next to talk about that. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back. I'm thrilled to be joined now by Pastor Colin Smith. You know him from Unlocking the Bible, which you hear right here on the Faith Radio Network. He is joining us today to talk about Summer in the Scriptures, the Open the Bible campaign. Pastor Smith, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Hey, Carmen. It's a delight to be with you today. Thank you.
0: Well, it is a delight to have you with us. Um, Let me just start with this. Why should people be interested in unlocking the Bible or opening the Bible or spending a summer in the Scriptures?
2: Well, I just love the partnership with Faith Radio to try and open the Bible uh, over the summer this year. You know, uh, some folks have the idea that the Bible is a book of information, and if that's all that they think, then they're not going to be terribly inspired about uh, opening the Bible But you know the scripture speaks to us about itself in a different way it is the living seed that brings new life we're born again through the word of god and then it's the bread or the milk or the meat that sustains new life so uh, if we want to see people come to faith in the lord jesus christ and we all have friends and family members who we long would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to find some way to get the living seed that brings new life into their lives. And that means we've got to open the Bible with them. And then if we want to grow in our own faith, if we want our faith to be sustained, then we're going to need to nourish it with the bread and the milk and the meat of the Word of God. So both of these are really the reasons for wanting to, to open the Bible this summer.
0: You know, there's a lot of folks, um, Colin, who... Maybe open the Bible periodically. They do so in a way that is not well planned, not particularly strategic. You know, uh, they're they're feeling like they're in need of God in a moment, and they flip the Bible open. We are really looking to have people um, have an experience with the entirety of the Word of God. Talk about why it's important to read the Bible and understand the the scope of the narrative of the entire Bible.
2: Yeah, well, I find, Carmen, that there are a lot of folks who know some stories from the Bible, but don't really grasp how it all fits together, don't really see the big picture story of the Bible. And um, uh, the whole Bible really is one story. It begins in a garden, it ends in a city, and all the way through, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, what we're going to do in this summer uh, in the scriptures together is really take a guided tour of the whole Bible story from Genesis to Revelation to uh, follow the storyline, And that's what uh, the website uh, openthebible.org slash faith radio does. It invites you to follow that story yourself or to do it with a friend or a family member, either to nourish your own faith or else to try and introduce someone who doesn't yet know Christ to um, uh, living faith in the Son of God.
0: Colin, when you think about just your own experience with the scripture like when we when it comes right down to it what 's the point of Bible study because bible study isn 't isn 't an end in itself like it's it 's yeah, designed definitely. to take me somewhere else
2: yeah that 's exactly right, and um, uh, you 're right on the distinction that i 'm um, uh, uh, trying to make here uh, Carmen, in terms of someone thinking that it 's simply a matter of information and learning and storing your mind up and someone who grasps uh, what the Bible itself says, which is that this is the way in which the soul is nourished. This is the way in which new life comes. So again, if we want to see new life coming to other people, we want to get the living seed of the Word of God into their uh, lives. And if we want to grow in our own faith, then the way to nourish our own faith is by the living and enduring Word of God. So uh, this is a very wonderful thing. And the, the prospect of doing it together Um, and Faith Radio's initiative and partnership here to uh, challenge us all, invite us all to spend this summer in the Scriptures. I think this is a marvelous opportunity, and I'm so grateful that we're doing this together.
0: So I'm talking with Pastor Colin Smith. You know him from Unlocking the Bible. We're talking about something we're doing together between Unlocking the Bible and Faith Radio. We're calling it Summer in the Scriptures. You can find it at openthebible.org. Uh, backslash faith radio. Um, we're going to talk after the break, just specifically walking through like what is, what what people are going to find when they go to openthebible.org. But how about before we do that, Colin, let's talk about why this is important now. Like what about our present circumstance sort of provokes this conversation now?
2: Well, I, I think um, the desperate need of many, many people to find answers and to find truth and especially to find hope—that's um, what's going to be found in the scriptures. And um, you know, I, I saw a survey uh, recently, Carmen, that that said that across America, and this is across all groups, um, uh, people who are positively inclined towards the Christian faith and those who are very negatively against it, across all groups two-thirds of people said they would be interested in knowing more about the Bible. Think about that. Two in every three people you could potentially meet are likely to have at least some interest, if invited, to uh, get to know more about the Bible. In this particular survey um, uh, that was done uh, by the Bible Society uh, in America, uh, one in five of people who are sceptical or opposed to Christianity said they'd be interested in knowing more. That was remarkable to me. Uh, So there really is a very surprising openness among people to open the Bible if they're invited. And what would be absolutely marvelous would be if through Faith Radio, those of us who have confidence in the Word of God would think, who could I open the Bible with? Who might be open to open the Bible with me if I asked them this summer? Uh, And here's an opportunity to take someone through the Bible story in a way that's very relational Uh, very um, uh, 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 open to conversation. We'll talk a little bit after the break about how to do it. But this is an easy ask because there are more people out there who are open to the Bible than perhaps many of us might have thought or feared.
0: So we are partnering with our friends at Unlocking the Bible, and we want to invite you to join us for Summer in the Scriptures. You go to openthebible.org backslash faith radio to sign up. Colin Smith and I will continue this conversation in just a moment. Continuing my conversation now with Pastor Colin Smith. You know him from Unlocking the Bible. We here at Faith Radio are partnering with Unlocking the Bible in an initiative that we're calling Summer in the Scriptures. You can sign up to participate alongside us at openthebible.org backslash faith radio. Um, Colin, when they go there, what are some of the things that they're going to find and experience in this Open the Bible um? what are we calling it? Initiative? Uh, Opportunity? Campaign?
2: Yeah, all of the above. I think that's great. And at the uh, website, you'll find three things. Uh, The first is that uh, you will have, um, for 50 sessions, a passage of the Bible, a very brief uh, explanation of that passage that you can either read or listen to, and five questions to discuss— And it goes through 50 chapters of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And here's the idea. Uh, If you're doing it on your own, you can read the the scripture. You can then read the explanation and you can ponder the questions. But what we really want to encourage people to do is to ask this question. Now, who is there in my life who needs to know the God of the Bible and just might be open to open the Bible if I ask them? And go and ask them to do that. And then as they go to the website and you go to the website, they can read the passage of the Bible, the explanation of it, and then you together can talk about the five very simple, accessible questions that will get you into a practical discussion about what this means for you, your life, and for the life of your friend or family member today. And so what this does is it's really a marvelous way of either building faith for believers or else reaching out to those who are not yet believers in a way that is relational, it's accessible, it's flexible, you can do it at your own pace, you can do it at your own time, make it fit your own schedule, but there's a Bible storyline for you to discover, and uh, openthebible.org slash faith radio is going to take you through that story.
0: One way to describe this would be that it's like a guided tour through the entire Bible. So, You know, I think that there are folks, Colin, who have, um, you know, they have wondered, how does it all fit together? And this does really help people um, understand how everything from Genesis to Revelation is really one story about one God in relationship with people desiring to to dwell with us, to live with us, to be with us, uh, that he would be our God and we would be his people. I mean, that it's not just a consistency. There's a, there's a unity to the witness of Scripture, and lots of people miss that because they have only tasted just little tidbits of the Scriptures over time. And what you're really looking to do here, and we're looking to do together through this, um, through this shared effort, is to get the Word of God into people in a substantive way.
2: Yeah, that's right. And uh, Carmen, maybe it's helpful for me to say where this idea really was birthed in in my mind. Uh, A good number of years ago, I met a pioneer missionary um, uh, who had given his life to taking the gospel to an unreached people group in northern Thailand. And I was just spellbound listening to his story of how he had met this tribal chief, how he'd gone and settled with the tribe. He built his own home. He began to uh, learn the language. He then wrote the language for the first time and uh, communicated the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I said to him, Tony was his name. I said, Tony, how in the world do you explain the gospel to people who don't even know who God is? And he said to me, we tell them the Bible story. And, you know, it settled in my mind from that day onwards. You see, what God has given us in the Bible is really step by step, the building blocks that we need to grasp who God is, who we are, why we need a saviour, and why jesus christ is the savior we need and if we can get people to follow the bible story even if they have no notion of who god is at all then gradually the truth of god's word will begin to form the framework within which the truth of the gospel can be grasped and it is the entrance of god's word that gives light the bible says that so these are all reasons why this is a wonderful way for us to introduce people who Need to know the God of the Bible to the truth, and a wonderful way for us to build ourselves up in the truth if we know the Lord already
0: now if you're listening to us right now and you're saying to yourselves, yes, but I am not called to uh to go to an unreached people group in some remote part of the world <laughs> let me let me say this: I read um a testimony by a physician uh, it was featured in the new york Times and um and she said in there she's a secular Person, You can tell by the way she talks about what she does, but she's grieving that she's been separated from her little kids who are two and four for several weeks now because of the coronavirus. So she is, you know, serving on the front lines of medical ministry. She doesn't view it that way, but she's a, she's a doctor. Her children are in another state staying with her parents. She's grateful for that. She has a four-year-old who she says is asking questions she does not know how to answer. Top of the list, what is God? (laughs) <laughs> and and Colin, when I first of all, when I read it, my heart broke because there's a four year old out there who thinks God is a what, not a who. Yeah. And there's a physician out there who doesn't know how to answer her four year old child's question.
2: Yeah. Because she yeah. doesn't
0: know the God. She doesn't know God.
2: Yeah. I, and I wonder if uh, what you're saying, uh, Carmen, isn't just another example of why two in every three people, according to the survey that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Are saying today in America that they'd be interested to know more about the Bible if they had the opportunity.
0: Amen. So, somebody is, somebody lives alongside, somebody listening right now lives alongside this doctor and lives alongside her parents in Connecticut. Like, I know it. I know we have listeners who are proximate to the people who need, who desperately need to know who God is. What we're offering you now. In this Open the Bible um, summer opportunity, is we are offering you the equipping that you need to be able to go and open the Bible with someone else. And so, won't you join us? You go to openthebible.org backslash faith radio. You sign up today. Um, It's not only a guided experience, but throughout the um, throughout the season in which we're doing this throughout the summer, we're going to send you encouraging emails to engage you along the way. Colin, what else do you think people need to know um, about this uh, this particular shared event experience that we uh, we've put together for them?
2: Yeah, well, just my encouragement to go and do it. It's free to use. It's easy to use. You can use it at your own pace. It's so accessible. Uh, Anyone can do this, really. Anyone can do this. You don't have to have a great knowledge of the Bible to do this. You simply are saying to someone else, would you be interested to open the Bible with me? And uh, what we're doing is we're inviting people to come into the world of the Bible. People who are doing this with us may not believe as we invite them to do this. We're simply inviting them to come and see. That's a phrase from the New Testament. Come and see. Come and have a look. Come and discover what the Bible has to say about this God who made you and why that makes a difference to your life. Your life's not aimless. You have a purpose and uh, and so forth. Uh, so I just want to encourage people to grasp this opportunity Um, uh, It would be wonderful to think of the Bible being opened all over the wide region in which faith radio is heard by people who know the Lord and want to get to know him better and with people who need to know the Lord and can find him in and through his word.
0: All right, so join Colin Smith, uh, Unlocking the Bible and Faith Radio in our Open the Bible campaign. You find it at openthebible.org backslash faith radio. Uh, Colin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us in Summer in the Scriptures, encouraging and enabling people to know the whole story of the Bible. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you. I greatly appreciate that opportunity.
0: What a joy. We'll be right back. All right. So the U.S. Senate had its first major hearing yesterday. It's kind of funny to call it that. Uh, Yesterday on the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, let me just say that the meeting, which was obviously held remotely, um, started with the sounds of some muttering in the background, which turned out to be Senator Bernie Sanders, who had forgotten to mute his microphone. Um, uh, Almost immediately after that, um, Senator uh, Patty Murray from Washington froze on the screen from what appeared to be like, a, you know, a glitch in the internet. If you have been working from home and you have been trying to have meetings via um, some sort of uh, internet-based ba- technology, you're familiar with all of these things. I mean, how many times in online meetings have we said, um, could you please mute your microphone? Um, if that dog barking in the background is at your house, your microphone is open. I mean, on and on and on, right? And we've all had those, um, those situations Maybe like the uh, uh, Food and Drug Administrator, who was one of the four officials, sort of being grilled yesterday by this Senate panel. Uh, Stephen Hahn was um, speaking in front of what I can only describe as a blindingly white background, and so um, he appeared to glow like a saint. That's all I can say about that. So anyway, um, the even the Senate is is trying to function right now, and we're going to talk with Hunter Baker about that hearing yesterday um, on COVID-19, ongoing questions being raised uh, in lawsuits filed about the constitutionality of the entire shutdown. Um, And then the Supreme Court is back in action, also virtually. And we're going to talk about a really important religious liberty case that they are in the process of hearing. Hunter Baker from Union University up next.
1: When I was a kid, the music I liked drove my parents crazy. They couldn't understand why I liked what they called noise. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. You might not like the music your teen listens to either, but I meet a lot of parents who make a big deal out of a small issue. Even though you may not like a particular type of music, step back and take stock. Is the choice of music, or whatever else you're dealing with today, the thing that should fracture your relationship. It's amazing how your teen's taste will change over time. Before long, they might even like much the same music you do. So make sure you're focusing on the majors, not the minors. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store.
0: Joining me now, Dr. Hunter Baker. I don't know, so so many different ways of introducing you. Um, I'm going to introduce you this way: living in a state that did not announce a an extension of a three months quarantine.
1: Thank heavens! I wow, Uh, wow, that
0: was some news, right? So three more months um, for people living in LA County, um, and the massive college system and the University of California college system announcing they will not resume in-person classes in the fall?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I am. I'm really grateful that we are not operating under that same set of rules right now, um, not and not because I'm I'm callous uh, or anything like that. It's just that I, as a as a college professor uh, and, and one who I'm really proud um, of my faculty as the Dean of Arts and Sciences. I'm really proud of my faculty for rallying and for handling that last semester online. And we we learned a lot. Um, and, and we'll be able to do it in the future if we have to. But that having been said, uh, it isn't the same. And uh, we want to be in that room with our students. Um, now, we are taking precautions. We, we are planning for the fall uh you know to kind of figure out do we need to restructure the rooms where we offer these classes do we need to uh get into some larger spaces and spread out you know questions mm-hmm. like that and and you know that's important and happy to do that uh but i don't don't really want to be under quarantine more than that
0: so have you not yet constructed a drive-in theater on your campus cuz i feel <laughs> I feel like that is a good idea, okay, so you and I have so many things to talk about today and um and so let's uh let's get to it let's uh let's talk a little bit about the Senate hearings on covid nineteen yesterday. um I briefed people in just in terms of sort of the um uh, <clears throat> uh the effort of these individuals to engage in an online meeting, which is obviously not something at which they are proficient, but tell us what actually what what are some of your takeaways?
1: I mean, look, you just have a fundamental uh, tension, right? I mean, um, Dr. Fauci is uh, is in charge uh, medically uh, of our approach to the virus. He it's it's going to be his task. I mean, so in the same way that somebody like me, uh, uh, I emphasize religious liberty and I promote religious liberty and I push for it um, every chance I get. Uh, he is concerned about safety relative to the virus, and that is what he is going to continue to emphasize. He is significantly less concerned with questions like the economy, you know, what impact the shutdown is having on people's lives, how many people are going to lose their work. Uh, what happens to all the college graduates who, who get out and there's no jobs for them because of the virus? Um, and so he is, he is just a little bit at odds uh, with the Trump administration on that. Now, I think that the president, counter to his uh, usual posture, he has been uh, diplomatic and has uh, been in partnership with Dr. Fauci I keep expecting that to come to a head and kind of explode. And, of course, uh, you know, kind of Fauci trying to put the brakes on could cause that. Um, but again, what he says, uh, warning that this thing could flare back up again, makes total sense. Uh, this is really kind of a lose-lose situation, honestly, Uh, you know, you, you relax things and you get things going again and you put a dent in those millions and millions of jobs lost. Uh, but you could have another flare up of this thing. And that's, that's what the leaders are paid to deal with. They are paid to try to navigate this thing the best they can. And, uh, you know, you're going to have some tension between the two parties and, you know, the other thing that you're going to see with, Uh, with things like the Senate hearing is, is that regrettably, and because this is America, well, really, because this is human beings, there's going to be parties trying to maneuver and take advantage of this thing. Um, So that's what's going on. It's complicated.
0: Yeah. So two of my takeaways from yesterday. Um, One, Um, was that even these expert senators seem overly optimistic about vaccine development and distribution um, in anticipation of a fall start for schools. Uh, This particular back and forth I thought I thought was important. Um, Senator Lamar Alexander asked uh, Dr. Fauci if students at the University of Tennessee could expect that by the fall they would be able to return to class, having received a vaccine that would have made them immune to covid-19. Now, that's a um, there's a lot of layers to that question. Fauci um, replied quite directly. That is not happening. Um, It's a bit of a bridge too far, he said. Even at the top speed that we're going, we do not see a vaccine playing into the ability of individuals to go back to school this term. So um, that's going to that I think that is going to factor into the conversations that are going to happen uh, in school districts across the country, obviously for colleges across the country. Um, you know it, it, the the speed at which we're moving is great, but um, but not that great for a vaccine. However, the speed at which um, we're moving in terms of treatment um, using um, remdesivir, I'm gonna, I know I butcher it every time I say it, but I think that's the pr- correct pronunciation. Um, I think Gilead has done something unprecedented. They have signed licenses for the generic production of this drug in 127 countries around the world. They have given away their, their, you know, their right to sort of make a bunch of money on this by saying, hey, make generics, get out there and start making it. I, I think that's extraordinary.
1: Well, you've made a, you've made a great point here. Um, so first of all, yeah, if, if we could just will a vaccine into being, we would do it. I mean, look, uh, look at the amount of money we're spending. Uh, you know we've spent we've spent over two trillion dollars dealing with this thing that 's just at the federal level. Leave out the states and things like that. If we could just make wave a magic wand and spend trillions of dollars and have a vaccine we 'd have it. You know there, there is no price that we would not pay for a vaccine right now, <clears throat> but we can't do it. The most optimistic scenario I've heard is that we're like a year from a vaccine maybe, maybe 18 months, something like that. So no, it is not going to happen that, that, that that's going to emerge and everybody can just go safely, uh, back into the workplace and the malls and everything else, uh, without worrying about it. But what you said is exactly right, is that what we can do is that we can become proficient at treating this thing. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people have lost a lot of money in the market. Um, now we've recovered some, but one of the things that I have told people is if you're if you're thinking about investing, be looking for uh when there is a therapy when is there some sort of effective therapy because that's when the economy will start to normalize so so as we as we so I'm not saying get rich off the therapy what I'm saying is the therapy will make it possible it will substantially reduce that death rate, and it will make it possible for us to return to normal even before we have a vaccine.
0: Yeah. All right. You and I have to take a quick break. When we come back, um, I would love for you to explain to us what's going on at the Supreme Court in relationship to uh, ministerial exception, like who gets to define who is a minister. All right. That's up next here with Dr. Hunter Baker from Union University. We'll be right back. All right. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Hunter Baker. Um, Hunter, let's talk about what is going on at the Supreme Court. Maybe just give us your initial, um, you know, your initial reactions to their whole virtual meetings that they're having. It's quite interesting. And then uh, and then help us understand this specific case related to religious liberty.
1: Well, so I'm thinking about, uh, first of all, the ministerial um, exemption court uh, cases, One of the big controversies in American law has to do with the degree to which religious organizations uh, have the ability to hire and fire without being um, completely under the control of various civil rights laws and employment protections. And so you have a couple uh, couple of cases right now that deal with that. And uh, so, what's always going on is um, is a question of uh, do religious organizations really need everybody working there uh, to be treated as though they are some kind of a minister, uh, and and therefore fully under the under the control of the religious organization? <clears throat> and the reason that that's uh, a question is is that we have the First Amendment um, religious liberty, uh, and also uh, what is what is called the separation of church and state. And people forget that the separation of church and state goes two ways. One is that the that the church is not controlling the state. In other words, we're not forcing people to pay tithes or be members of churches or things like that. But also that the state is not controlling the church. And so that's where this sort of ministerial exemption comes in, uh, that the state is not able to tell religious organizations how they staff themselves and how they, how they deal with employment situations. Um, so that's what's at issue in these cases. And there are all these questions about, well, so to what degree is a person's job uh, depend upon them fitting in? Uh, with some sort of religious requirement, and I'll just say something practical. I think a lot of I think a lot of folks uh, li- well, of your listeners will understand this. At Union University, I was just talking to a guy yesterday. I was on campus, <clears throat> back in my office, and I was talking to um, our director of custodial services. You know, uh, a man who has been there for I don't know, probably twenty years, and. It is important to me and it is important to Union University that he is a Bible-believing Christian. So his job is, is managing uh, the cleaning of the campus uh, through his staff, and a lot of people would say, well, that's just a secular job and it doesn't matter, but it does matter to us. Mm-hmm. We do—it we d- is important to us that everybody is, uh, is a believer, is on mission uh, and we believe that that affects the the total environment of the campus for the students. And so, uh, a, a lot of times, secular people want to kind of write that off and say, "Well, only the people who teach religious courses, right? Only the faculty member who teach Bible should 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 be uh, separate, you know, in some sort of religious liberty sense." But that is that is not the way the Christian faith works.
0: So. Um you know you and i would consider both of ourselves uh, engaged in activities that are quote unquote ministerial we both work for christian uh non-profit well i work for a christian non-profit i don't know if union is technically non-profit or not but you, sure get, we are. you yeah. yeah okay yes, all right absolutely. well there you yes. well, I don't know okay so um so there you go so um but we're not just talking about uh People who would be on their federal income tax uh, forms describing themselves as a minister and seeking to, uh, you know, and seeking to uh, take take advantage of maybe particular um, tax code related to ministers. I think that's part of the confusion here. I think that we have defined the term in some in some places and in some ways we have defined the term um, in a very narrow way. And what we are talking about is the reality that anyone who is pressing the full force of their vocational life um, in this particular direction is technically, uh, you know, working in, quote, unquote, ministry. Is that I mean, is that's basically my understanding?
1: Yeah, that's right. And the Supreme Court uh, in previous cases has uh, validated that basic understanding but again, let me just say, I mean, so so again using Union as an example, our university would be an entirely different place if the only people uh who really uh had to be Christians were our theology and missions faculty, right? If 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 there was no need for us to hire Christian professors in in uh, biology or history or political science or business or anything else, it would really just totally defeat our mission. And the thing that really surprised me about, <clears throat> I think it may have been both of these cases uh, before the Supreme Court right now, is that is that both teachers uh, did do some Catholic teaching. And the argument was, well, mostly they don't do specific Catholic teaching. And I'm thinking if they do any Catholic teaching, good heavens, there should be a very strong case uh, for the for the organization's uh, discretion to control.
0: Absolutely. All right. Hey, uh, bring us up to date also on the Little Sisters of the Poor. Everybody thought that this was dispensed with, but apparently not.
1: <sighs> yeah, this is really <clears> – <throat> This is really kind of a long and sorry history, Uh, and the reason I say that is, is that when the Affordable Care Act was originally passed, there were Catholic and pro-life lawmakers, uh, you know, those people, uh, even within the Democratic Party, uh, who resisted because they wanted certain guarantees uh, about pro-life protections and thinking that they had them, uh, went ahead and voted for the legislation. And uh, next thing you know, as soon as it passes, the Department of Health and Human Services uh, passes this regulation or issues a regulation uh, providing this requirement for abortifacient and contraceptive uh, products to be provided by employers, even religious employers. And uh, so many different organizations – Appealed, uh, citing religious liberty grounds, most notably Hobby Lobby, uh, went to the wall on this question um, and and actually won their case. Um, but a lot of people thought that a for-profit employer could not possibly win such a case, but they did, um, and they really put everything on the line. I mean the company would have been destroyed <clears throat> based on the fines that were being – that were accumulating against it. Um, The Little Sisters of the Poor have held on tenaciously because there has been a requirement by the court to work out a compromise, and uh, between the Little Sisters of the Poor and the federal government, uh, sort of that, that HHS apparatus, the compromise has not been acceptably worked out, and that's why it's back before the court again.
0: All right, Hunter, uh, we're out of time. We got to we got to leave it right there. We have so many other things to talk about. Um, I know that we are going to want to talk in the future about just the entire question of the constitutionality of um, of lockdown orders and the shutdown. So let's you and I both watch as those uh, conversations unfold across the country. And um, and let's talk about that uh, in one of our upcoming conversations. Deal? Sounds good. Hey, stay safe, man. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Wow, that hour went fast. I am looking forward to the next hour. We are going to talk with Bill English about uh, a number of things going on uh, in the economy. And then Mara Del Sandberg will be here to talk about together for good. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.